<laughs> what is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And this is a show about life, music, and everything in between. If any of those things fall in your radar, then you are in the right place. Not only do we just sort of chat sometimes and talk about whatever comes into our mind, like I might ask Andrew, like, hey, Andrew, how much do you love Avenged Sevenfold? Um, I would say at least um, Avenged 70%. And are, would you honestly, like seriously, would you say they're in like your top 50 of all time? Because I would say they're in mine. I was thinking about this this morning. Top 50 bands? Bands of all time, yeah. Are you asking me my favorite or the best? Like the best, like talent-wise. They got to be up there, right? I mean, easily top 300. Easily. See, and guys, this is the kind of stuff you can get on this show because, yes, sometimes we do interview guests. Sometimes we do have set topics. Like today, of course, we're going to be discussing Miley Cyrus's newest album. But sometimes we just kind of roll and see where it takes us. I mean, we talk about video games. We talk about our friendship, which I would say is rocky at best at times but right now it seems to be in a good place so we're here and we're giving you a podcast it seems pretty good because neither of us made our fantasy football playoffs so we don't have to like you know be mad at each other or anything we're not at each other's throats yeah exactly so this is this is the deal guys this is talking with andrew and chris and we thank you for joining us so andrew actually didn't pick today's topic but he sent me this record he put it on my radar because he knows i'm a bit of um a bipolar music listener sometimes I get angry at certain genres and I shouldn't but I do because I'm human I'm only human he's a sensitive guy you know yeah well we don't need to get into that I need you know save that for my therapy appointment which I don't well whatever anyways um Andrew what are we talking about today well you already said it but we are talking about Miley Cyrus's new album Plastic Hearts whoa it's exciting for YouTube um don't say uh, I mean, listen, it's, I haven't been like the biggest Miley Cyrus fan. I've never really hated her. Um, I remember when she was on Hannah Montana, I definitely had a huge crush on her when she was Miley and not <laughs> Hannah. Um, yeah, so totally. I remember that. I also remember when that song Seven Things came out. That was a bop. Ooh, banger. My old band That's covered that. Really? We, we, Wait, we covered one? that in the break contest. Uh, me and Ronnie and, you know, Jeremy, Will, the gang, we played, uh, wow. because we had to do a cover in each right in each round so each round they required you to do a different cover so the first cover we did was paparazzi by lady gaga and then the second round we did seven things by miley cyrus and i forget what we did for the finale i think we did bruno mars he had just broken this is how long ago this was but uh one of one of bruno's first big hits but yeah we um that's awesome yeah it was it was a good time so I go deep with Miley Cyrus, man. Like we go way back. I, I've I had a little have a little sister growing up. Um, I guess I use the past tense because she's since moved out. But dude, I would I wasn't complaining. Like I've said on the show before, when you know it was dinner time and you know the TV was on in the background, and of course the kids get the TV because you want to shut them up if they're you know crazy and spoiled and whatnot. And so and it, when you're a spoiled kid, the youngest one is usually the more spoiled one. That's a fact. And so basically, sometimes Jonas Brothers would come on and I'd be like, oh, I put up the act like, man, this sucks. Like Rocco's Modern Life put, is on or put something. Put on some Metallica. And, but, and then sometimes like <laughs> Hannah Montana would come on and I'd be like, man, this is terrible. But like, I want to see what happens next because it was kind of fire. Exactly. By kind of fire, I mean actually fire. You, you want to see if she ends up with Jake or not. <laughs> I forgot his name, but yeah, it was a good show, point being. And I remember that set and all that. Like, Disney had some iconic old school sets. So, point being, I go deep with Miley Cyrus. I've been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not a fan fan for a long time, but like, I've never hated on her. She's right. like one of the few pop artists who, actually, when I was in my old hardcore band, I would sound check with Party in the USA because I thought it was I remember so that. funny. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone really enjoyed it quite as much as I did. I think my bandmates actually hated it, but I just I thought, thought it was funny. so funny being the heaviest band on the bill every show, and yet I'm sound checking, <laughs> ripping like this. Like yeah. I used to riff Miley Cyrus and the Jonas say, Brothers. I would riff. Get, um, yeah, you get up there and go. Yeah, I do like all that sound check, and I just thought it was hilarious. But it was also because I kind of liked it. 
So especially with your guitar tone being not the same guitar tone that was on the Jonas Brothers chorus, you'd be like, yeah. For all my gearheads out there, I had a Mesa Boogie triple wreck running through a Marshall 1960s B cab, and of course, I had the Schecter Diamond Series super metal guitar. So it, right. it quite if, didn't sound like the record. And when you put those three together, you're basically asking the audience to beat each other up during your set. Like, there's no it, other option. Essentially, especially when you put it in drop B tuning. So, Oof, that's yeah. Low. Which I, you know, can't play the guitar anymore because it's so destroyed from being in an idiotic tuning. The heaviest band of all time, in my opinion, even though I really dislike them, is Pantera, and they played just a half step down. So, take notes, wow. people. Yeah. That's Anyways, we're not here to talk about heavy music. It's come up quite a bit today. No, but we are here to talk about rock music, technically. Yeah, we can get into that. So, Andrew, let's uh, let's get our first impressions going of this record, man. What were your first impressions of Miley Cyrus's newest album? I believe it's Paper Hearts, Plastic Hearts, Plastic Hearts. Yeah, that's Plastic the one. Plastic Hearts. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got a tray you on the brain now. Paper yeah, I do. I and that's paper anchors and lead sails. Oh man, we're gonna listen to that. Me and Andrew are going to get haircuts today. From uh, I know this barber, Paul, great dude. I can't wait for Andrew to meet him, and uh, we're gonna go get haircuts. He's definitely so. not my dad or anything. We may have to go listen to it in the car. That, that Atreya record. <laughs> Listen, I do like that album. Anyway, um, so Plastic Hearts by Miley Cyrus. Um, when mm-hmm. did the first single come out? The first single was which one? It was Midnight Sky in August. I definitely remember that song coming out. I didn't really like give it a full listen. I just you know heard it on the radio or whatever. I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Miley coming out with new songs. Typical. Seems cool. Everybody loves Miley, so why not? And then uh, Prisoner came out last month, and... I saw it, but I didn't listen to it. Like I saw that it came out, I didn't listen to it. But Dua Lipa that's was the, on uh, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, I knew everybody would love that one, and I was like, that's cool. And then um, when the album came out, somebody that I was following on Instagram like posted a snippet of the song. Um, I think it was Plastic Hearts, and I was like, yo, this sounds ripping. Sounds really cool. I got to give this a shot. And then the opening track, um, what the fuck do I know? It just like. It just starts with this cool little bass line, and then she comes in with like that classic rock melody, you know, like you've heard it a million times, but it's always really yeah, fun. Yeah, it's the arena rock melody. Exactly, and then it goes into that cool bridge with the little like the rim shots and the and just it's, like it's it's it's, it's, it's like it's definitely like, not a new sound, but I love that sound, and I think that she pulled it off really well. And the way I describe that really sound awesome. is pop band. Finally gets out of their first contract, first management agency, whatever. They're independent for the first time, and they want to show the world that they're a band. So they want to show people they can rock. And what do they do? They take the Nickelback chord progressions and beef it up. They bump up that BPM, 10 10 BPM faster than their 120 pop BPM that they've been writing with under their old management company, and they let it rip. That's how I describe that sound. But it really works in this situation. But it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty like, hey, I'm going rock and roll sound, in my opinion. It's a little right. cookie cutter. I I didn't get that uh, that impression when I listened to it. I just thought it was really cool, <clears throat> and I knew that Miley has always kind of like been in the old like she's always had her foot in the old school door, even though she was putting out a lot of like, ro- uh, not rock, sorry, pop and like even borderline hip hop songs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so. well, she's an odd case because she's. A child star. And so she's been around for a long time. Right. But she also, like, I mean, as far as I know, is like a trained singer. She wasn't just like some pop star that they were like, oh, people like you. You should be a singer, too. Like, she's always known how to sing and stuff. And I feel like on this album, obviously, she belts stuff out all the time. It's amazing. I don't think we really need to tell people, but just in case no one knows, her father was like a famous country musician who uh, wrote a very famous country song called Achy Breaky Heart. That's Billy Ray Cyrus, her older brother, is the singer of Metro Station. Um, Ever heard of a song called Shake It from back in the day? And of course, her little sister is now sort of rising to popularity. Um, Mm -hmm. She's a pretty good singer as well. So, you know, she comes from a family of very talented musicians. Whether or not she writes for herself or is even in the room when the songs are written, like she's got other things to worry about she's got to dance she's got to well, perform her, her gotta... name her name is on every song as a writer so she is there at least co-writing yeah exactly and that's what i also 
And I did know that. And I respect her for being one of the few big name pop stars who actually does that. So like my first impression of the record and the reason why I bring that up is I was listening to the album and then I saw she was on the Joe Rogan podcast and I was like, okay, well, if we're covering it on the show, if there was ever a time, now's the time to go back and listen to this podcast. And instantly, like the rest of the world, I was shocked by how raspy and hoarse her voice had become. And I was really hoping she would address it. And they address it pretty early on because Joe's a pretty good interviewer and he just got right to it. And he was just like, you sound very different. And I have a lot of Miley Cyrus, uh, Hannah Montana on in the house because Joe has, you know, two daughters that are around that age that would just love the Hannah Montana show. So he's always talking about that. And uh, she was finally on the show. So it was pretty funny for him to meet mm-hmm. someone who was like a celebrity in his kid's eyes. And of course, a celebrity in the real world. But like, he's like, right. this is one of the episodes where my daughters think I'm my, what I do is actually cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so basically... They quickly address it, and she had went from having this adrenaline that she described from touring all night uh, and and being on the road her entire upbringing from 12 years old on, you know, touring as Hannah Montana, then later just breaking out into her own with that first record, which had like uh, I think "Party in the USA" and and a couple other hits on it. And I just looked last night. That album is only like seven songs long. It's crazy. It was pretty much like Party in the USA and then like five other ones. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if she back in the day did. And let us know in the comments. Did she tour with some of those Hannah Montana songs? And then obviously over time work those out and eventually as, bring in the new record? As far as I know, she first did tours that were like Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus, where she'd do Hannah Montana songs dressed up as Hannah Montana. And then she'd leave and then come back as Miley and do some Miley oh, songs. Oh, cool. Smart transition So as far as thing. I know, she never did any Hannah Montana songs as Miley Cyrus. Yeah, okay. That's smart. I like that. Which I yeah, also so... think is probably partly because after Can't Be Tamed, that was on Hollywood Records, but after that she moved to Sony and RCA, so I have a feeling that Disney was like, yeah, obviously you could play your songs, but like Hannah Montana stuff maybe is like, don't do that anymore or something. Yeah. So, Andrew, let me tell you something that you don't know real quick. Um, basically, you guess you missed that. It's a reference to one of the songs, the first song, actually. <laughs> what the F do I know? But uh, so she was going, she said she described it from sort of staying up all night after the shows as like a 12, 13 year old, just high off adrenaline and can't cannot believe this is her life. And, you know, homesickness and all that type of stuff that I'm sure a little kid on the road feels too quickly when she's like four or five years later, 16, 17, 18, like starting to drink and smoke a little bit after the shows. Then it turned into smoking and drinking a lot after the shows. Then it turned into staying out all night doing that stuff after the shows, sleeping for four hours on the way to the next show. And then sort of pumping herself up again with like adrenaline and like vitamins and stuff and getting back out there and doing it all over again. Mm -hmm. And so no one told her, she said, They told her how to sing properly. They told her how to dance properly, but they never told her how to maintain those types of things, how to like maintain her body as a performer. And so she really suffered. She, I forget the name of her ailment, but she had come down with something very intense and and almost rare to have happen with the amount of abuse she put on it. It happens to a lot of broadcasters, like uh, people who have been in talk radio for years and never took a vocal lesson and just got up there every day and just talked and talked and talked. And when they were feeling sick, didn't rest. Like those guys who never took a day off, you know, the old timers. Um, just turn on the AM radio and you'll hear you'll hear the way their voices sound. Um, my vocal doctor tells me my voice sounds great because I rest it. But she wasn't resting it. And you can hear those things if you're a trained singer or performer or doctor even. You could just walk in the room and he'll know if you have an issue or not. He'll know when I was a little sick, my doctor. He'll know when I haven't been sick for a while. They just have a great ear. Then he'll go down with the scope and he'll see that. So she never had anyone to monitor her like that. So she had to get this surgery where basically she couldn't speak, make a sound. She couldn't like burp. She couldn't belt. She couldn't anything out of her like she had to be really careful with her diet. If she had any acid reflux, it would damage the surgery. And for six mm-hmm. months, she couldn't speak. That's how she almost lost her voice. Go watch the Backstreet Boys documentary. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if it's the same thing, but it's the same severity that the oldest Backstreet Boys member had. If you've seen in that documentary, he almost lost his voice. And now sometimes he can't even hit those high notes. It doesn't come out when he goes for him. She was almost there. Like Chad mm-hmm. Kroger had the same thing happen to her as well. So some points of reference there. So I think like... Knowing all that, hearing her speak on the Joe Rogan podcast, hearing her story, it enriched the experience, but it also kind of like 
to me, it's there's brilliant musicianship here because even if she didn't want to take this rockier edge, this more sort of like homage-esque style to Stevie Nicks and Joan Jett, some of the female singers on the record, or even like Pat Benatar, who were like the raspy woman in rock and roll, you know, like you had back in the day, Celine Dion and Cindy Lauper, like Celine Dion, sorry, who were like the big pop female stars that didn't have the rock edge. They both obviously rocked out, but they had the cleaner voices and Madonna had the cleaner voice. So she wasn't like cutting a record like Miley Cyrus, you know, and I think they worked with where her voice was at. And I think that was brilliant. I think some of the songs are a little corny and a little cheesy, although I really like the record overall, but I think not that she doesn't have much to work with, but she can never sound like the Wrecking Ball Miley Cyrus again. There's just too much rasp on it. Her voice is lowered like an almost a full octave because of what happened to her, the trauma and the stress on the surgery. So they really worked with what she had. And to okay. me, that's like the big feat is, okay. is the engineering and the writing behind it to still make her a success with all that she's been through. Okay. Well, I didn't watch that Joe Rogan thing, but I also think that she just wanted to make a rock album. I don't think that it was like, a, oh, I have to make an album and my voice sounds like this, so let me think about the way, the best way I could do that. Like, I think she just writes whatever she writes and then goes into the studio and the producers do what they do and all that stuff. So as much as I think, yeah, I'm sure that her voice has suffered over the years and all this stuff, I think that she's still... Like, if you watch any of her live stuff right now, it still sounds incredible. Like, I don't think that it, she's... Like, yeah, she sounds different, but I don't think that she's sounds worse she could definitely like if you watch she just did a live version of midnight sky that's like full band and doesn't have it's like it's it's a way different version of it like it sounds like like an old lounge song kind of thing and you know she's just belting them out and it's like i'm not a vocal expert but i feel like she has so much vocal control that i don't hear a lot in like a Katy perry or a kesha or something which like not to knock them at all they're both incredible singers also but i just i don't know and well, here I would as rank their as, vocal. As, I would rank as, their vocal control real quick. I'd say it would go Miley Cyrus the most vocal control, Katy Perry then Kesha. You don't lose vocal control from damaging your voice. Your voice just right. changed tonally, and the octaves change naturally if you put damage on it. If you have polyps, you, your your vocal cords basically they they tighten, and and the right. closer they get to being fully closed, is the higher you can go. So if mm-hmm. you put polyps there, there's a bump that makes you not be able to tighten it as much. That's kind of what right. happens. Okay. Um, either way though, I think that even though this is, you know, it peaked at, where was it on these charts? The U S it was the number one U S top rock album. Like when it on billboard, when it released and it was number two on the billboard 200. Now, as we can see from like the Grammys and stuff, like number two overall. Yeah. Like, as you can see from like these charts and if you just watch the Grammys ever, like normal people, I'm doing air quotes for those who can't see me. Normal people and like record executives and people in the industry have a different definition of rock and roll because, you know, like Exhibit A, Lord won Best Rock Album one year at the Grammys. And I'm like, okay, like I'm not saying the album's bad, but would it be a rock album? I don't know about that. So as much as as much as this is considered a rock album, I think that I wouldn't call like Midnight Sky or Prisoner or even maybe Golden G-String rock songs, and I think that those no. are all really dope songs, and I think that she sounds incredible on them, and I don't think she sounds out of place. So even if the rasp obviously lends to the rock, like Plastic Hearts and High, which is one of my favorite songs on the entire album, like I think that it's still she could still put out an album that was only songs like Prisoner, and I would still love it, and I think she'd still kick ass at it. And I'm sure that she still crushes Party in the USA. No, yeah, I'm not saying she can't do pop anymore. I I, I want to know who was behind the decision to put this rock edge forward. I mean, because it it, it is. Well, it she's works also grown with up with with her family, who have been like country stars slash rock stars like all the time. So I'm sure that she's always loved rock music. Yeah, no, to me it just seems like it was not only a smart decision because of the state of her voice. Like I don't think she could ever sing a chorus like party in the USA again, super high and clean, even in the, the, you know, the Dua Lipa song where it's like, that's arguably one of the most pop ones. It's got like that daft punk feel where it's like, they have the fake Lynn drum kit, but it's replicating a real drum kit and they have the actual baseline, but it's, it's a pop song. It's not really a rock song. It's a pop. If anything, you could say it's pop rock, but it's not seen. So whatever, if we're anything, getting metatextual to, there, but to get real technical, I would just call it rock pop. Sure. And I think that's a perfect description. But like even when she goes for the high notes there, you can hear between her and, and Dua Lipa, 
She's pretty clean, Dua Lipa. Miley Cyrus has that dirt, that grit now, where I don't think she would have had it four or five years ago. But it's awesome. I think it's great. It's actually, I think this is the best she's ever sounded, to be honest with you, because she sounds so unique now. I just think it was also a smart business decision, whether they planned it or not, to give her this, like, A, we're tapping into the old 80s sound. We have the old 80s aesthetic. That's why I threw the album cover up on the screen right now. YouTube.com slash Talking with Andrew and Chris for all you audio listeners. Please drop us and subscribe, like the comment. It would mean a lot because we're trying to grow this thing and YouTube's the number one way. And then the third reason why I really like it is because it, it shows a different side of her. We could have gotten another album with Wrecking Ball. It's been three years since she put out a last record. Usually pop stars are pretty on point with that. Like they keep them coming. And she, sure, she's done some singles, but I mean, I don't know. We were in the pop band at the time she was dropping those singles last year and they didn't really, they didn't have much staying power. Let's be honest. They were here today, gone tomorrow. They weren't terrible yeah, songs. I honestly, like after Bangers, I honestly had no idea that she put out two albums. Ex- exactly. And when I know I that she did and saw, that. I was like, what? When did those even come out? I didn't even know what the singles were. I know she did that Dead Pets album with uh, the singer of the Flaming Lips, who apparently she's oh, yeah, pretty... yeah, that, that I knew about. That was like a whole project. But I mean, and I respect that. That's like her art pop album for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not a terrible record, but like this to me feels like getting back to like the bangers mentality in a completely new and refreshing way. Right. So I kind of wanted to dive in though real quick because overall, like I like the record. I think it was smart. Whether again, whether they planned it or not, it works with the way her voice is. It will never sure. be that clean, pristine voice again, but I like the dirt on it. You know, I think it actually suits it really well. And the same reason I want to come back to this, because you said something along the lines of like the way the Grammys see music and all that. So the mm-hmm. same reason that she's considered rock music is the same reason now that I want to argue that, well, why did the midnight not, I mean, not the midnight, I'm sorry, the weekend who now sounds like the midnight. <laughs> why did he not, um, why was he not under the rock category? He has all the same instrumentation as Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why are the Grammys not nominating him under rock and him under pop? And why are they nominating Haim? under pop or under rock when they're clearly way more pop on this on this newer record than the midnight who has real drums on every song pretty much real i mean the weekend i can't keep doing that it's like (laughs) really just borrowed from the simpler scene in a way that's like unapologetic but you know what i'm trying to say it's like they just want to give all the people they like in their club a win so they're like okay you're going to be stronger in this side for now so we can make this argument pretty loosely but we're going to do it and so miley we can't really have you going against Dua Lipa right now because she's like the biggest thing on the planet and her new album's obviously got to be up for pop, but we want both of you to win, so we're going to tuck you in here. It's a bit ridiculous, and that's why I don't like the Grammys and all that because, yeah, this is like, it's not right, fully like, a rock like record, this, it's not like fully a pop year. record. It's not fully, you know, because there's even high as like a country song. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you how do you categorize this? Right, and then you have the stuff with the Grammy. I mean, honestly, I can't really... Not necessarily. I don't respect the Grammys because obviously they're the Grammys. I don't. I but I don't. Well, I just meant in the sense of like it's still cool to get a Grammy. Um, like most people don't say no to a Grammy. But anyway, what I'm what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I'm scratching my foot. Is that like I just I just I don't. It's just clear if you're if you pay attention to music like at all. It's just so clear that the Grammys are not run by people who like actually care about music. Like point in case a couple months ago when they changed, what was it? It was like world music to, to global music or something. And Mm. it's like, they didn't even expand it to give more categories to people that aren't in America. Um, They were just like, let's just change the name from world to globe. It's like, I didn't even hear about that. And it's like, what the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> no one asked f- to change the name. They were like, hey, how about some more inclusion besides including like all of the other artists in the world that have a different genre that aren't just rock or pop or right. whatever the Grammys decide is rock and pop. It's just all globe music. It's not anything else. And it's just like you like the Grammy, whoever's in charge of that stuff has to be the most disconnected human being from anybody else on earth because it's like if he's like okay i hear you everyone on earth this year like everyone needs to be equal we need representation we need all this stuff everybody needs inclusion so let's just change the name from world to globe because that's that's good right globe is a lot less like racist or something than the world than the word world right i'm like who's in charge of this stuff yeah, it's almost it like doesn't he make thought, any sense. Yeah, exactly. He he thought he could pull a fast one there. It seems. Yeah, and I don't even think it's like 
one specific person. I mean, I feel like it functions the same way as the Oscars do, where it's like everyone's always thanking the Academy. It's got to be a right. collective of people who have earned a set amount of credentials to be on this like sort of voting, uh, ch- you know, chamber, right. whatever organization, almost like a Senate for music. But I would never turn down a Grammy because I feel like I'm pretty business minded and I know what that opens up in regards to your wallet and your legacy and longevity, but I certainly wouldn't show up and I, uh, I would just be like, cool. I mean, my award would be sort of connecting with people and and making music that like matters to me. But yeah, I mean, I just think it's like, I don't like art as a competition. Like if you check out my other podcast, like Dom's always like talking about the Oscars and I'm like, dude, like you, you always say that you hate the Oscars that you're always bringing them up. Mm hmm. And it's like, let's unpack that. We never do, but it's like they have this pull on us that sort of sways our opinions on things. And I think it's wrong. And I think it can mislead people. And I also think it hurts if you go back to our history of rock music or the state of modern rock, rather, you know, that podcast we did. I think it hurts certain genres, mislabeling them. Because then when people actually dig deep into what rock is, oh, wait, there's not synth pads and, you know, 808 kick drums underneath every, <laughs> every song. There's actual real recorded drums that sometimes sound a little shitty because the artist wanted to do it live. This isn't rock. The Grammys didn't say this was rock. Kind of kills livelihoods if you think about it. Mm -hmm. But well, I think it's just like the Grammys are weird. I know we're kind of going off on a tangent right now. Mm -hmm. It's a good one though. I'll finish it with this. It's just like the Grammys are weird because like obviously we just brought up a lot of problems that we have with the Grammys and a lot of gripes and things that are annoying and why you really shouldn't have the grammys be the end all be all authority on what's good music and all that but as people i mean i guess we've been conditioned like this but it's like you see an artist like beyonce or something it says like oh yeah beyonce has like eight grammys or like she won eight grammys at one grammy awards thing and you're like wow that's impressive she must be really talented (laughs) so like it's 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 weird because uh, i'm sure that most people who win a grammy are deserving of that grammy you know like i'm sure that most of them are not just handed out or just like, well, we couldn't put you in this category because we do want you to win. So we'll put you in this category, but it's just a weird thing. Like, like with Justin Bieber, like Justin Bieber, arguably one of the biggest musical artists of all time. I mean, that's not really arguable, but you know, either way, very successful, sold a lot of copies of records and all that stuff. Um, so of the modern like, day for sure. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So like he has, you know, like platinum songs and platinum albums because of how much he sold, but then he didn't get a nominated for a Grammy for like a long time, which everyone was like, what's going on? Why isn't he getting nominated? And it's like, I mean, that is kind of weird since he's Justin Bieber. You'd think the Grammys would want to give him a Grammy, but at the same time, I guess like he doesn't, they don't want to give it to him because he was like a troublemaking kid or something. And then this year he gets nominated for pop album with changes. And he uh, put this post up that was like, he's like, obviously I'm extremely grateful to be, nominated for a grammy it's always awesome to be recognized like that but i just feel like it's weird that i'm in the pop category when this is clearly an r&b album like i he gets really it. worked hard yeah he was like like every part of this album like the production the melodies even the drum sounds everything is r&b and like that's what i was doing and to be put in the pop category just feels kind of like they don't give a shit uh and again i'm not trying to sound ungrateful but i'm just confused was basically yeah, he- what he said Justin nailed it, man. Yeah. It's, and obviously um, he got a lot of shit for that because everyone was like, dude, shut up. You still got nominated. Like, why are you being ungrateful? And it's like, no, you don't get it. He he gets it. Like, And, and I do think that it is a, a, a payola type um, industry thing. Just look at Spotify and how, you know, unless you're on like RCA, Sony or whatever, you're really uh, hard pressed to find yourself in that New Music Friday if you happen to be in a more competitive style of music that requires constant you know, the, the rule of marketing is if you're in front of someone's face seven times, they're more likely to click on you, give you a play, buy your product. Right. So if you're in pop, and you better be in that New Music Friday. You better be in those coinciding playlists. And usually how you get in those is by being signed to one of those labels that signed a backdoor deal with Spotify years ago when they saw the way yes. things were changing. I have yes. no and, reason to believe the Grammys aren't like that. And the other fucked up thing with Spotify that I recently learned was that, like, as much as obviously they pay you per play and stuff like that, like all the streaming platforms do, they do it in a way that's like, it's not just that you solely get paid based on how many times people listen to your song. It's like you get paid based on how many people are listening to your song compared to like other songs. So like you need to be up there being listened to. Oh, I didn't know that at all. It's like a weird algorithm that like it's (laughs) what it's not like. It's it's so crazy. Like, you can you get link more... me like an article or something to that? 
Yeah, I, I, I want to post that. I'll, I'll find it when we're done recording because okay. it just, yeah, you, you don't it mind, just came I, and went, but it, I kind of want to. It was fucked up. Maybe post that in the description or something so people can check that out because I had heard, and actually I know this to be true. You can look this up. Spotify pays you in regards to how long through the song people listen. So your click through rate, if they get bored two minutes in, well, you're not getting paid the full three minutes of the song. You're only getting paid that two minutes if they skip right. at the two minute mark. But, you know, let's, um, this was good. I, I enjoy jumping off on these side tangents, but let's use the back end of this podcast here to really dive in and dissect this album. So I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, this record clearly is different for her. It has a few bold ideas and takes on it, like the live recordings at the end, which I don't know what's kind of happening, whether it's the Spotify algorithm or if iHeartRadio shelled out a lot of money or what, but Heart of Glass, the live version, which Dude. it's like one of her biggest songs off the record. And that's confusing to me, but it's also awesome because it's like so back to the good. top, just because her voice changed and she, she healed it and it was damaged, she still has the control. She doesn't miss a note live. I mean, she would be a great concert right. to go see. But mm -hmm. So what's your take on her? I guess why I bring this in to like really diving into like this 80s aesthetic, having some amazing, amazing OGs on the record, but as well still keeping it current with the Dua Lipa, who's like one of the biggest pop stars in the world right now. She's the fourth most listened to artist on Spotify as we speak. Mm -hmm. And also, like, why do you think it is that the super rock versions are only the live sort of bonus tracks, but on the album it's a little more pop? Like, is there still some machine behind that? I know there's a lot to unpack, but this is where my mind goes when I like am asked to dissect and review an album. You know, I want to do it. I want to do the whole thing different, essentially. So, what's I'm, your take on all that? I'm picking, I'm picking up what you're putting down there, Chris. Um, basically. Well, first, I'd like to say that Heart of Glass, that cover is amazing. I went and I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with the original song before seeing that it was on Miley's album. Um, but it's a dope song and Blondie is, every song I've heard by Blondie is great. Never really dove in, but maybe I should. Um, you know, I was thinking to myself when I was looking at the guest features, I was thinking there's only two people that she didn't get who were defining woman of rock and roll and it was blondie and it was pat benatar and i like that she threw the cranberries in there i would say they're a little later on they're not right. as as og as the ones that she got you know she right and i think like and, and i also because i i also didn't know the heart of glass was a blondie song until i went and looked it up and i was like oh so she did get a little blondie in there that's cool mm -hmm. she knew what she was doing in other words right, exactly yeah, how yeah, I felt. yeah um yeah badass I mean, song definitely a badass song it's it's so good. And I'm finding that with her live stuff, she likes to go like more rock live than on her albums, which like is essentially what you're asking me, like why that is. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that for one, uh, for one, it's just like whether you think, whether you agree with me or not, I feel like a rock show, as far as like a live show atmosphere, feeling, performance, experience, whatever you want to call it, I just feel like a rock show is like the best show you could go to if you know what i mean like as far as like live energy like obviously a lot of pop shows like katy perry and stuff with like the, the the choreographed dances and everyone costume changes and all the effects and stuff it's all really cool um but that also kind of reminds me of like when you'd go to disney world and go see like the indiana jones show like kind of reminds me of that and like i feel like with a rock show it's just like here's the band most of the time also the people who wrote the songs and they're just playing them and sometimes they're a little different other times it just sounds real and right in front of you and you're it's just so cool and like the energy is just different i don't know it's just cool so i think that's probably part of it because i know on bangers she did a bunch of like choreographed dances and the stuff i was just describing that like Katy perry does but i don't know i just feel like miley is more of like a legit like i don't know like i feel like she's more of a singer than a performer if that makes sense even though she's also an actress so I feel like it doesn't make sense what I'm saying, but like, I don't know. It's just, e I feel like it's easier to make a kick-ass rock show than like a kick-ass pop show, if that makes sense. And like yeah. I was, like I said, before I, it's hard I, to I do saw, the kick-ass rock show well. Right. Um, but like I said before, like her, the, she did a, I think it was, I think it was BBC, but I'm not sure. Like she did a BBC live thing for midnight sun and it was like totally different than the recorded version and it was just so cool 
And I think that with the pop songs, you also listen to like the production and like the beat and all that stuff, which like it is not bad, but it sort of takes your attention away from like the singing and the song itself and everything. And I think that with like the the organic instruments, it's it's more like I'm going to borrow a phrase from my roommate, Scott. You mean instruments? Is that what, what did I say? You said organic instruments. <laughs> yeah, I meant like as opposed to like a synth. So instruments. Sure. Okay. Whatever, Chris. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. Do you want to say it? No, keep going. I like where you're going. I just think it's hilarious that it just shows how we are truly the cattle being herded. I'm saying that there are songs on this album produced by Mark Ronson, and then there are other songs that are produced by Andrew Watt. And I'm talking about the songs mainly produced by Andrew Watt are like, well, no, I guess here's what I'm saying. Let me bring it back. With the pop songs like Prisoner or like um, Midnight Sky, like the production is really cool and the beat is really cool and all that stuff. So like that's also part of it. And then when you go live, it's like to borrow a phrase from my roommate Scott, she leans more on her performance than on the song, you know? Yeah, so like yeah, Sports with Scott episode 49 coming in with wisdom yet again. I agree true. 100%. True. So like you listen to Midnight Sky the recorded version you're like, wow, this song kicks ass, you know. So good. It's like a great line. The melody is all great and the production is great. It's awesome. And then you watch this live version where it's literally like the drums is just like just like a light beat, just straightforward beat on the hi-hat. A dude's playing an upright bass. Like, it's just really soft. And then she's just right there, just, like, belting out. She's not dancing around. She's just standing there at her microphone just singing. It and works. Just like, and your eyes are just drawn to her, because you're like, holy crap, this girl is singing the crap out of this song. It works, that's for sure. So, yeah, you know, I, think I agree. that was kind of an all-over-the-place answer to your question, but... No, but you I like her leaning into this rock edge. You think yes, it works. I, I like the songs where Miley's showing us that she can sing and not just that she knows talented songwriters. Yeah, I agree. And that's what was really impressive about this album is how she worked the new angle to me. And, and, you know, I was a little scared at first seeing like the album artwork. I was like, Oh no, more pop stars just invading this kind of like low key eighties movement. Right. Here we go again. I thought to myself, here we go again. That song. (laughs) And I was like, every time something is a little like, you know, presents itself to be a little tepid or, or trepidatious to me i'm like i just hear that song in my head and uh that, that one line and so i thought that and i was just like great what are we getting into and i was pleasantly surprised because let me tell you man this album not only has the 80s aesthetic and of course some of the songs like midnight sky and uh you know uh night crawling which features an 80s legend billy idol uh, the man and... the myth, the legend himself Someone who's not featured in the title playing drums on that song is Taylor Hawkins, a.k.a. the drummer of the Foo Fighters. Huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah, so, like, she has, like, the synth-wavy style aesthetic. Um, You know, Night New Arcades is a synth-wave band. If you guys want to learn more about that genre, I know it's still a little low-key. We we interviewed them on the show, and so I was like, oh, God, is this, like... Is this just going to be another The Weeknd thing? Because I don't think The Weeknd did it well. I think he actually kind of really did it Elton John would disagree with you. Yeah, well, you know, I would say, hey, look, Elton John, we have different tastes. Obviously, you're an incredibly musician, and you, there's no way I can ever touch you in regards to that. But I think we see things differently, and that's okay. Right. And that's funny, real quick. I just want to say the thing that I thought when I first heard that weekend song, "Blinding Blinding Lights," right? I was just like, this is just the 2010s version, or I guess now 2020 version of "Take on Me" by Aha. I was like, like, it's not like a direct rip, obviously, but it's just like starts with the crazy synth lead and then it drops out and then it comes in with the part of singing, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's just, I'm I'm not not, angry about it. I love that song. And I think that Blinding Lights is a catchy song, but I don't think it's like the greatest song of the year or anything. Yeah. That melody seems so starter pack eighties to me. So I I really just highly dislike it. But anyways, you know, for, for in the regards to the Miley Cyrus album, I think she really worked it and did a Mm -hmm. great job. So to get more specific, there's so many subtleties to the decade of which she is borrowing heavily on the aesthetic of in this record. Mm -hmm. Like for example, um, track two, you know, plastic hearts that gives me a huge, uh, rolling stones vibe in the beginning of that, of that song. I believe it's, um, I always forget the name of this song, man. 
the one from uh, yeah, Gimme Shelter. You know, it's got like that Mick Jagger sort of like ow thing that starts in the beginning. The ow, like it it has that, and it's the exact pitch, the exact timbre. I feel like it it really borrows from that song, and I, I I'm pretty sure I know that that was some of the inspiration behind that track. It, it has like that like homage, the sort of like ad ad libbing that they would do back in the day for rock and rolls in that one. For example, mm-hmm. with like night crawling. The exact um, one of the exact notes and another one of those ad lib things that Billy Idol does in White Wedding, arguably his biggest song, is in Night Crawling, which is awesome. Uh, and then also on you know the Edge of Midnight, which is the remix, which the jury's out on how I feel about that one, but it is still cool that not only on that song does she use some of the original melody of Edge of Midnight to sort of reprise and, and recreate. There's another track in this album where she hits you with. That one Stevie Nicks, ooh, you know it's true. I think it's actually Edge of Midnight where she does that. But it, that ooh is the exact cool. ooh from the Fleetwood Mac. Are you Mac. talking about Midnight Sky? Midnight Sky is the original version. Edge of Midnight is the mashup. Yeah, exactly. So Midnight Sky, like she she, she yeah. calls back to so respectfully what she is clearly homaging to on the record. And I think it's it shows great tact by the songwriters of the album. It shows that she's not just some girl who was like, I, I like... I'm a pop star and I like this 80s trend and I want to capitalize on the trend. It's like, nah, she she knows what she's calling back to. Like, I think I could sit down and chat with her for like three hours about classic rock. And I think she'd actually right. tell me a few names I never heard before. Right. So I well, really I feel could, respect to the decade of which she's. If you want on her Instagram post where she was like, hey, this album's number one rock album in America. That's pretty freaking cool. She gives a tiny like one sentence paragraph Thanks to Joan Jett, Stevie Nicks, and Billy Idol, if you want me to read either of them. I would love to hear that, yeah. Okay, so she thanks all three of them right before it, but I'm just going to skip to the the personal ones. Joan Jett, I have you to thank for my love of leather, playing music at an unholy level of loud, and my uncompromising sense of self. I fucking love you. (laughs) Stevie. (laughs) It's a pretty good thing to say to Joan Jett. Stevie, your words have been coming out of my mouth since I can remember but mine flowing from yours is still surreal. Your generosity is unrivaled. Thank you for lending your magic. I am forever your smiley baby. I love you. Billy fucking idol. We've been rebel yelling since 2012 when I bought a photo of you, when I brought a photo of you to the salon and said, I want to look like that. You are brazen, bold, unapologetic, and authentic in a way that is my honor to witness. I appreciate you deeply. Exactly. Like she knows the source material here. Like mm-hmm. you could just tell she's not just some like yeah. label. She's, like, she's freaking out. Porn product who's like, hey, Miley, uh, I know you're set for a comeback and we got to shake things up. And this 80s thing is pretty uh, in right now. How, how would you feel about doing a few songs in that style? Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's not like this isn't the suits telling her what to do here. This is right. her. You could clearly tell it's her following her heart. And I, I love it, man. I think it's phenomenal. Right. And in Nightcrawling, dude, I don't know how much you've listened to Billy Idol. I've kind of really gotten into New Wave lately. So I've I've dipped my head a bit. Quite into I, know, I know the hits, but that's it. it. It just sounds like such a Billy Idol song. I love it. It's so well, it's so true. You know, it's like so it's true. Man, she nailed it, man. She really did. Well, he Billy Idol is one of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songwriters on that song. So yeah. one of which also is Ryan Tedder, who co-wrote a lot of this album, which I think is really cool. I feel like listening to all these songs and albums that I've learned Ryan Tedder helped produce and write, he's he just seems so good at like like not overstepping where he is. He's just like, Hey, I know what you want the song to sound like and let's make it sound like that. Like he did it with Taylor Swift. He does it with Miley Cyrus. He did it with Beyonce. Like he just, the dude is a good songwriter. Totally. Yeah. Well, we can definitely do a podcast on him down the line because he's amazing. Yeah. He brought the best out of this record for her. Mm-hmm. I would say, and I'm sure she did honestly contribute a lot. I know it's tough. I don't think she plays. I mean, she probably plays like a little bit of guitar or something like that. But um, she definitely plays guitar and piano. Yeah. But I mean, hey, look, she she produced a phenomenal record. Now there are a few things though on the back end of this album that I think. If we're talking about the album, right, and and how an album has to be have this uniformity, I think there are a few sort of missteps in regards to like high. I love that song. I think it's one of the best songs song, on the record. That song is amazing. But it it feels like it came out of left field. It's so country, 
And it's so it's it's so Zach Brown. Like I thought Zach Brown wrote it with her because I know sometimes he writes with people, um, and he didn't. But I was like, God damn, I could swear this is like a Zach Brown song. Yeah. It just comes out of nowhere, and I feel it's like in, that. Yeah, it's interesting now looking at it. It was co-written by two ladies who aren't on any other songs on the album. Yeah, and that might be part of it too, right? A couple different opinions. It's a great song. It's got to make the album, obviously. But I feel like maybe that might have been better to stash to like get back to the old Miley like days of because not that she was ever true country but like i feel like she had that song the climb and it kind of like harkens back to that in, in my mm-hmm. mind that like older miley cyrus day but obviously what she's singing about is her battle like through rehab and all that and it just kind of fell a little bit out of left field for me because you have like this really rocking 80s synth drenched pop neon album and then you have like this like grassroots pick up the acoustic guitar go on the ranch on your front porch billy ray sitting drinking an iced tea and you're playing him your newest country song for him like i was like okay it's a little out of left field but i loved it either way well it's interesting because i just felt like i mean i mostly agree with everything you just said i did feel like the track listing like the order on this album was kind of weird because i felt the same way you listen to what the fuck do i know just like this in your face rock you know bop and then it goes into Plastic Hearts, which is like our, pretty much the exact same sound. It's just like another high energy rock song. And then it goes into Angels Like You right after that. And I was like, wait, what? Third song and we're already dialing it down like this? And Angels Like You is arguably my favorite song on the record. It's stuck in my right. head the most. It's really good and it's a rock ballad. And but then, I would but only then, want to hear that like a track six or seven. That's what I'm <laughs> like saying. Because the then, then it goes into Prisoner, which is like one of my favorite songs on the album that's stuck in my head literally every day like that chorus melody is just it's so good and i mean i know it's basically just physical by um or let's get physical by olivia newton john but it was good then and it's good now so i don't really care yeah it's um, pop and it's yeah but again and then it goes into give me what i want which is you know which i feel like kind of reminded me want, of what I... <laughs> sorry wrong that's song. funny that's the one you thought of and i thought of give me what i want by uh which is avril lavigne Oh, you know, I thought of Avril Lavigne in the first track, WTF Do I Know. That's cool. Um, listening to this with, again, Scott from Sports with Scott, go listen to that episode. Um, he said that she's remind. which I'm going to say this prefacing it with, Scott is not really a pop guy. He doesn't listen to pop stars. He, he mixed up Lady Gaga and Christina Aguilera when he was talking to me before, so just take this with a grain of salt. But... He said that this album, from what he was hearing, reminds him of Lady Gaga, and I couldn't agree more, especially the one album of Lady Gaga that I was into so much, which is Art Pop. It's, 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 cra- like, it's crazy how similar those two albums are, because Manicure, well, that's a song, hold on, I'm sorry, Art Pop, Lady Gaga album, um, I mean, not mo- I don't think all of the songs on Miley's album is about sex, but you, it's, there's a lot of sex in her album. And Art Pop also is very sexual when it comes to the lyrics and stuff. Um, but it also, like, is super... I mean, it's not 80s, really, at all, because it was co-produced by Zed on some of the songs, so it's actually, like, pretty, like, for the time, modern EDM sounding and all that. But it also had some rockin' bass lines and guitar shreds and her getting into the raspy singing. So I don't know if she... I mean, we already spoke about how her voice just got raspy from her life and partying and all that stuff. But, like, I don't know if Lady Gaga's past is similar to that, which is why she's got a rasp, but Lady Gaga's rasp is awesome and she plays it so well. And it was just... I went back and listened to Art Pop after Scott said that, and it's it's just crazy how similar they are. Like in almost every aspect, like the like the wild outfits, the like the personality of just being like, I'm the shit. So mm-hmm. move out of the way. And then like the sexual lyrics, the the awesome modern pop, but also calling back to old sounds and then also like the rock and guitars and stuff. It's just like it's just crazy. She's she's really pulling from a lot of other artists. And what was the song? I can't remember if it's, I think it's the beginning of hate me. I thought I was listening to Nelly Furtado, (laughs) like the way she sings those verses. Like it's, it's just really cool that you can tell that she's just also a really big music fan and pulls in a bunch of stuff that she likes. Exactly. No, I mean, I think a good musician doesn't just listen to one style of music. You know, they, uh, Mm -hmm. they want to know other types of genres because how do you stand out? You stand out by bringing your influences to the track and, I clearly think she did that with all the songs. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, I do have one more complaint on the record before we get out of here. It's I have bad a feeling karma. It's, 
I was just going to say that. There was only one song I like, just don't like. See, I'm not the biggest Joan Jett fan. I actually, like, you know, I'm not in a punk rock band anymore. I don't listen to hardcore music at all anymore, guys, but I still do listen to a lot of, like, 90s and 80s punk rock just to, like, I don't know. It's I still enjoy it. Like, it's this little bit of angst I still have left. And so Joan Jett, like, literally pioneered women in punk rock along with Blondie. So, like, I, I tried a few years ago to go back and listen. I honestly tried, and it just is not for me. I've always really hated I Love Rock and Roll. I thought that that song is so boring and so overplayed. And every time I hear it, I'm just like, again, why do people like this song? The only thing I would say about that is like, sure. I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, because I remember hearing that song and never being like, wow, this song is freaking crazy. My dad um, loves it. My mom loves it. I don't get it. But here's here's what I'm saying. Imagine you had it. I feel like it's one of those songs where you had to have been there when it was released. Like, I feel like when that song came out, you probably would have been like, holy shit, I do love rock and roll. Like, Fair enough. Bear, dun, bear, dun. Like, yeah, it's, you're right. It's, it's dope. And I do love rock and roll, which is why it kills me. But <laughs> yeah, if anything, I'm, you should love it. I'm, I'm I've always thought that I hate myself for loving you should be more overplayed than I love rock and roll. Do you know that song? No, by John Jett. I hate myself for loving you. Yeah, do, that's do, a, do. yeah, that yeah, song that's rocks. Bigger, that that's like that's the smash of all smashes for me. Her song. Uh, I think that, the problem uh, with the uh, the I love rock and roll was I don't remember. I think it was Britney Spears, but I could be wrong. One of those big pop singers covered it, so I think that also boosted that popularity. Fair enough. Not that that song needed to be any more popular, but it certainly does help. But yeah, bad karma. It's like. It's obviously overtly sexual, and I get it. It's like the pop thing to do. I just think it's weird to do the pop thing with Joan Jett, who well, is not I would, the anti-pop. I would, argue, I would argue that as much as that is kind of a pop thing, it's also just a Miley thing. It could be. be yeah. Look sexual. at the Wrecking Ball video and stuff. I mean, literally look at anything after Can't Be Tamed. She was like True. doing this all the time. <laughs> yeah, all right. So I think I just, that that's I think that's just kind of like it goes with Miley for like any song. Like I think she could have very easily written the exact same song as High and changed all the lyrics to being about sex and like would have been the same thing, you know. I'm yeah, glad she didn't, but I'm it's just true. saying. It's true. It's not for me and I don't think even though it has a chorus and I'll admit it still is catchy of course, right, but yeah. it just doesn't get there to me. Like all the other songs hit that climax and this song just doesn't quite get there for me, unfortunately. And especially because it follows Hate Me, which I think is so good. You know, that's the one that's the... Mm -hmm. uh, oh, wait, no, I was about to sing the wrong song. Anyway, that's the one that's like, oh, what would happen if I died or something? Yeah, great song. Course, yeah. I love it's that so song. Good. And if you listen to the Joe Rogan Experience podcast about it, 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 it further enriches her, you know, try our struggles and triumph. She came out on the other side of it. Um mm -hmm. And this song to right. me is just like, I get it, bad karma, you made some bad decisions and, and you're trying to like, you know, right the wrong and stuff. It's cool. Like the whole album is clearly about what she's been through and why she kind of was out of the public eye for a few years, you know, rehab and all that type of stuff. Vocal rehab. Right. I don't I don't believe she actually went to a rehab facility, but still she had an intense surgery, but it's just not for me. It kind of right. it's kind of a setback in my opinion. Right. I feel the same way. And then I feel like it, it like it almost caused me to forget about Never Be Me and Golden G String just because it was like after that song and I didn't really like that song. It was almost like all the songs before that got me in this groove where I'm like, hell yeah, this album's sick. And then like it gets to there and it's like I just stop and like get unimmersed from the album and I'm like, what's going on with this song? Yeah. And and, and, last it, and it just seems like a weird like use of Joan Jett because she's not she's not one of the the writers of the song. So like. They just had the song and they were like, yeah, Joan, like, come on and be a part of it. And she's like, hell yeah, I'd love to. So, like, I kind of wish that she, I mean, I don't know if Joan Jett is known as a songwriter because I know that she wasn't the one that wrote I Love Rock and Roll, but. Couldn't still. tell you. So, don't even want to speculate. Couldn't tell you. The last thing I want to speak about is the uh, the remix. What's your take on the Edge of Midnight remix? Um, I think it's freaking sweet. Um And I was trying to think of, like, another example of something like this happening where someone took like a an older rock song and like mashed it up with their own song and i couldn't think of any and i didn't really i'm gonna be honest i didn't really like try to research it because i kind of i thought of one which is what the eminem joe walsh remix um well 
I wouldn't use that one because he does that all the time, and Joe Walsh wasn't a part of that song, so. Exactly, and that's why I think this is the first of its kind. Right, because exactly, I was going to say this is like closest. actually parts from both songs, and like she said, like she sings a part of uh, Miley sings a part of Edge of Seventeen, and Stevie sings some parts of Midnight Sky, and then they have the parts together, and like yeah. the, cor- the nice choruses go so well to- together. It's, you know how, like, I feel like someone's going to make a YouTube video about it. Did, did Stevie Nicks just pass the rock and roll Illuminati torch off to Miley Cyrus? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like one of those kind of moments, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, YouTube, that was in hyperbole, so relax. But uh, <laughs> basically, you know, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think I wanted to hate it because I think the word remix is the wrong word. It's a reimagination. Yeah. I would just say it's a mashup. Mashup, reimagination. I think mashup isn't yeah. the most professional term, but I'd agree. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remix to is it. just not is not the right word. But Stevie Nicks sounds so good on it, and Miley Cyrus and her together sounds so good, and I think it is that passing of the torch, dude. And that's I would, what I, I want to see. This is just uh, this is just a dream of mine. I don't think this will ever happen. The same way that Lady Gaga came out with an album with Tony Bennett, I want a Stevie and Miley album. And I just want to say that, like, for all the talk we, we we do about the Eagles, I had a choice. And I don't regret it. I, I chose to go see Fleetwood Mac over the Eagles. I went to this concert at MetLife wow. Stadium and Fleetwood Mac was the headliner. And I chose to go that night over the Eagles because tickets were super I remember, expensive. I remember you telling me about this. So like I really enjoy Stevie Nicks and I was angry until I heard it. And then until I researched it and I saw that like, okay, Miley Cyrus did this in the most respectful way possible because she knows the source material and she she's bringing the spirit of what they were doing back then to the track. And so that's why I'm okay with it. Cause dude, I can't stand pop music for the reason that I, I, I hate that how much I love it, but I also can't stand it because I hate what it does to other genres because it's right. the only thing the tabloids want to write about. And it's the majority of what people listen to. So it just makes other genres have to fight even harder to turn a buck. And what we know, go back and listen to our, for the nomads podcast, our, our future rock and roll podcast. Like it's hard to make money. in. so it's just, if you're mm-hmm. going to do something like this, do it the way Miley did it. It was beautiful. Like, I can't hate the song at all. Right. But I wanted to awesome. because at first I was like, man, this doesn't seem this doesn't seem OK. But it, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. So. Right. And I think the fact that Stevie Nicks was a part of it and like also on the track singing some, like a part they didn't just use Edge of Seventeen and put it in uh, Midnight Sky. I think that that's a big part of it because if they didn't, if they just took like the parts of edge of 17 and just put it in midnight sky. Like I'd be like, I mean, that's, it's definitely cool. It's something that I thought would just be something that somebody on YouTube would make and not the artists themselves, but it's cool. But I think the fact that Stevie is part of it makes it like the best way you could have possibly done that kind of song. Yeah, exactly, man. So all in all, final thoughts on the record. What's your uh, takeaway from this album? Um, my takeaway from it is that, um, I think that Miley Cyrus is one of those people where because she, I guess a little less so now, but she like, you know, was always in the news and stuff for like being crazy and wild and stuff. People like forget that she's also really talented. And I think that at least most of the songs on this album really like solidify that for me, that she at the end of the day is a really talented singer and performer. And like I would I, I could pretty much listen to her sing most songs and i think it would be pretty awesome and kick ass and um i'm gonna be listening to at least half of this album for a long time if you had to give it a rating out of uh i don't know i think they do albums out of 10 what would you uh what would you give it um i'm gonna give it like seven and a half maybe eight yeah i had to turn my camera off there for a second shocked me (laughs) yeah yeah, I no. Mean, my, I, um, I would I would say seven and a half because like the songs that I like I really like, but then the songs that I don't love like they're good, they're all right. But like, there's only like four that are like stuck in my head all the time, you know. And then there's one that I just don't like. So, I'd say seven and a half. Yeah, you know, I think all the greatest artists have uh, paid respect to people who came before them. If you look at the Beatles and how they all they wanted to do was make more doo-wop songs like the ones that they had grown up loving, and put their spin on it. You know, if, if you look at like Led Zeppelin, who wanted to do what the Beatles did, but put their spin on it. And so they always kind of look back to the people who helped them get to where they are. And she totally did this. And I think that's important for 
music history, preserving music history and, and having that through line to show like this got us there. I think that's important because I love personally going back and seeing who my favorite artists were influenced by and learning new people. And Miley totally mm -hmm. did that in the most respectful way on this record, even with like some of the wordplay, like, you know, she was born to run, born to run being a famous Bruce Springsteen song. I don't mm -hmm. know that to be a fact, but I just think there's so many different tidbits of that eighties culture nodding back to it that it's like, cool. Like this is how you should do this type of thing because mm -hmm. it's important to not pretend like you're reinventing the wheel and you're the first one to do it, you know? Cause that's just not, that shows and that that's why I can't get behind most of these pop phonies these days and their eighties aesthetic. It's just not true. It's not organic. So For she didn't sure. do that. And this album was amazing and phenomenal and I was completely blown away by it. So I got to go and give it an 8.5 8 because it's so good, man. The story, mm -hmm. of course, really helped enrich the experience. But even if I hadn't heard that Joe Rogan podcast, I still would have loved the album as an album. So, All right. Yeah. Andrew, it we is, did it. Guys. We it's did. an hour down. Let's go We're get a haircut. Down. Yeah, let's go get haircuts, bro. Next time you see us, we'll have a haircut. Cut. Yeah, Chris is getting my hair put on his head and my mustache, and I'm getting uh, his eyebrows put on my eyebrows. Yeah. Andrew, uh, so before we do all these big changes to the show, why don't we tell them where they can find these changes? Well... Whatever kind of changes we ever decide to make to the show, maybe in five years, this show will literally just be us commenting on which button-up shirt Guy Fieri decided to wear today, you know? who I don't know where the future of entertainment is headed, but you better believe that we're going to be there talking about it. And no matter what we're talking about, you can find us on all the digital streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, all of those good ones. Google Chris Play, you know. There it is. Google Play. It's it's we're all over, man. If you're listening to podcasts somewhere, I'm I'm like really sure that we'll we'll be on there too. So just find us there. As you can see on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube, we're on YouTube. Um you know, youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's talking podcast. If you type in all of those things, you'll find us, I'm sure. You it's will. all in the description. It's all everywhere. Um, Please subscribe. Give this video subscribe. a like. Subscribe. Share it with a friend. Turn on the bell for notifications. Share all it. things that'll really help the channel out. If you can, if you can see, oh, pointing in this way so hard. If you can see, like right where my finger's pointing, there's talking TV. Also, wherever you find this show, you'll find that show pointing somewhere to it. You'll find both of those shows there. Chris talks about TV, movies, all that kind of stuff with his co-host Dom. And, and Andrew's on me, it. it, it I'm well. on it too. I'm on it too. Not this as video as right here. The pinned videos. Me and Andrew just chatting about our favorite Star Wars video games. That's true. That was a fun one. Um, if you think that me and Chris talk a lot, then you should hear Dom. Dom's really good at talking. But yeah, um, guys, back to our show. Yeah. We really appreciate all the support. Andrew, you're nailing that. I'm sorry to sort of <laughs> monopolize this. But I also, also want to know about the Instagram. I was just about to do that. Social oh, medias. Cool. Yeah. So, Andrew, Socials. where can they find us on the good old socials? Well, Chris, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff, at Talking Podcast. Just subscribe to that. Follow us. Uh, you know, message us. Talk to us. We talk, but we also listen. Talk to us. Tell us who you want us to interview if you want us to interview someone. Tell us a topic you want to talk about. Tell us an album you want us to listen to. Tell us a video game you want us to play. Tell us anything. Tell yeah. me, tell me to dye my hair blue. Maybe I'll dye it green just to spite you. I don't know. We're open to all ideas. And We're guys, open. if you guys remember, Andrew and I have been in bands together. We are going to launch a new musical project in 2020. And the best place you can find us, follow us and keep up to date with all that. If you go to our Instagram, talking with Andrew and Chris on Instagram, uh, talking podcast, rather, you can find us in the description, follow our personals. Cause we have a lot coming your way. So true. Yeah. So again, we guys always do content every monday wednesdays and fridays we appreciate you being here we'll see you in next week's episode we have a lot planned on the horizon we're hoping to lock down some interviews we're going to be diving deep into some more albums and maybe even talking about a classic 80s act considering we've been on that little roll lately so uh we talked about the 80s today but like we might even dive in and live in the 80s a little bit in, in recent weeks so uh with that being said i don't want to spoil it we'll see you in the next podcast andrew do you have something to leave the people with hmm Eat carrots and stay sweet. Yeah, keep that sugar down, people.
<laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. Yet another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. And we just want to take a moment here to thank you guys so much for all the support you've shown this show. I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but this show is 100% creator-owned and creator-run, and quite literally, we couldn't do it without you. I mean, the fact that you guys keep coming back week in and week out is not only humbling, but it's inspiring, and, and it's a reason why we will continue to deliver upon our promise to bring you content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so, all we ask for you guys to do in support of this show, for free, mind you, is please head over to youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Please click that subscribe button. For whatever video you choose to listen to, click that thumbs up. It would really help out us grow the channel. And most importantly, turn on that bell to get notified every time we post content. Again, that's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on YouTube at 2 p.m. And of course, on audio, you guys can find us on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. That is talking with Andrew and Chris. And all we ask you to do on those platforms is please click the follow button, the subscribe button, leave a review, preferably five stars, whatever the platform allows you to do. If you could throw us a little support, that would really mean the world and help us keep growing this show. Once again, guys, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for the support. Stay sweet. And we'll see you in the next episode.